Good morning, everyone. We're glad you could join us. Let's worship the Lord together.
speak to me when the silence steals my voice you understand me you understand me come to me in the valley of unknowns you understand me you understand me you understand me God you understand me and I throw my cares before you my doubts and fears don't scare you you're bigger than I thought you were you're bigger than I thought so I stop all negotiations with the God of all you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. We believe in love. I believe, but help my unbelief. Understand me, you understand me. Help me reach the faith that's underneath. You understand me, you understand me, you understand me, God. You understand me. Come on, sing it out. I throw my cares before you, my doubts and fears don't scare you, you're bigger than I thought you were, you're bigger than I thought, so I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation, you're bigger than I thought you were, you're bigger than You're bigger than 
church. Go ahead and have a, have a seat for just a second. Oh man, it's so exciting to be here. This is my first time up on stage. Uh, it's so wonderful uh, to see all of you. And for those of you joining us via live stream throughout the building or on uh, online at home, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you are new with us, if you're a guest uh, or if you've just been coming for a couple weeks, uh, special welcome to you. We want to know that you're here. So feel free to stop by Guest Central. That's our welcome table uh, right inside the main entrance out in the commons. We've got some connections hosts there ready and willing to answer any questions that you may have. Ask them the tough questions. They love it when you do that. Um, and if you're new with us online, you can still reach out to us. We want to know that you're with us. So feel free to email us at connect at bettendorfchristian.org. Uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, we will be having communion this morning, but we will not be passing the communion trays. You should have been given an uh, individual communion cup on your way into the worship center. Uh, if you still need one of those, did not receive one for whatever reason, they're still available right outside the worship center doors. Feel free to grab one uh, at your convenience to have that ready for later. Uh, and we have some amazing prayer warriors in this church who love uh, lifting up prayer requests on your behalf. So if you have a need, if you have something that you'd like us to pray for, you can submit that prayer request by emailing prayer at bettendorfchristian.org. That's prayer at bettendorfchristian.org. Or if you're here with us today, you can grab a prayer card. It looks like this. Prayer cards are available right outside in the commons across from the cafe counter. We now have a, a prayer card table with a drop box. You can drop that in there. Uh, we want to we be a praying, praying church. And I want to thank you for all of the financial gifts that you've continued to give, this, especially this year. I know it's been a very difficult year for many of you. But God continues to bless us and to bless the, the ministries that we do, both local and globally. And because you give so freely, there are new chapters being written in people's stories and lives are being transformed. So thank you for helping us continue to minister to those here and around the world. I want to take an opportunity to pray with you, so please bow your heads. Father, we 
thank you and we praise you for an opportunity to meet together, both in person and through elect uh, electronics. We just thank you that we can come together as one body, one body of believers to, to sing praise to you, to hear your word, to be encouraged, to disciple others, to give freely of the blessings that you have uh, offered us. And just ask that you would continue to use us to spread your love and kingdom throughout this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello, everybody. We're so glad that you're with us today. I want to give you a quick recap of where we've been. Uh, as you've seen on the, those title slides there, we've been talking about kings. And uh, the last week, we talked about the comeback king, Manasseh, a man who reigned for 55 years as the king of Judah and goes down as probably the most evil of the kings of Israel. Now, if you remember, Tim shared that Manasseh saw the error of his ways while he was in captivity. He repented. He meant it. And we learned that if Manasseh can come back, you can too. This week, we learn about the Reformation king. Now, Scripture doesn't give us really much insight when it comes to the interpersonal relationships that people had in Scripture, such as the relationship that Manasseh maybe had with his son Amon or with his grandson. We know that his son Amon refused to follow Manasseh's newfound path of repentance at the end of his life. It says Manasseh died and Amon became king but did evil. This is what it says in 2 Chronicles. Amon worshipped and offered sacrifices to all the idols Manasseh had made. But unlike his father Manasseh, he did not humble himself before the Lord. Amon increased his guilt. Now, Manasseh may have truly repented and humbled himself before God, but sometimes years of wrong can impact the people around us. And whatever damage had, had been done in Manasseh's relationship with his son, Amon, it was not able to be changed after his repentance. But if we speculate, perhaps Manasseh's legacy wasn't completely lost because perhaps this young grandson of Manasseh would sit at his feet and hear his grandfather tell stories about how he repented and how God had rescued him and restored him. Manasseh's son, Amon, was only king for two years before he was assassinated. And after that coup against Amon, people of the land, they removed those insurgents and they made Manasseh's grandson the king at the ripe old age of eight years old. Now, I don't know what the morale was at this time, but I have to think that maybe it was a little bit low, that people didn't quite know what to expect from this young child king. You know, uh, growing up, I really wasn't that great of a student in grade school. I can remember back, I was the kind of student, if you're a teacher out there, you're just going to roll your eyes. But it, I was the kind of student that was, that was this way. I just didn't put the work in to get good grades. I did like the least amount possible just to like get by. Anybody else with me on that maybe? Okay, a couple of us. So 
The story changed, though, when I got to Bible college because what I discovered is that, I mean, I was training to be in ministry. I was very passionate about it, and I really enjoyed what I was learning. And so I began to really actually apply myself and, and work hard at it. And one of my professors was this esteemed doctor that had written over 25 books and commentaries on the, the whole Bible, and he literally wrote the textbook for just about every Bible college's Old Testament classes. And his classes were often strict, and they were challenging, and, and very difficult. And I remember one time, it was towards the end of one of the Old Testament classes, and he kind of he broke from the normal, which, it, again, he was very, like, regimen, strict kind of a guy. And he broke, and he said, you know what, we're going to have a quiz bowl today. And the winner of this quiz bowl is going to get a prize. Okay, everybody in the class was like, this is it. If I win this quiz bowl, I don't have to take the final, right? Or, and his finals were like 200 questions on minute details of the Old Testament. It was ridiculous, okay? Or they were thinking, oh, I don't have to turn one of those 15 or 20-page term papers in because I, I will have proven my knowledge, right? And so we line up, and uh, we kind of meet in the middle, and if you get your question first and correct, you go to the back of the line. Well, of the some 60 students in that class, guess what? I won. Right? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Who'd have thunk it? Okay. Uh, you know, so in front of all my classmates, the esteemed doctor said, Mr. Wright, you can stop by my office later for your prize. And man, let me tell you, have you ever seen Bible college students jealous? Because I have. All right, I'm telling ta- ta- all those little budding preachers, I can't believe the music guy is uh, going get to the, get the prize, right? Everybody was jealous, okay? And so I stopped by the office that day, again, expecting him to say, well, since you obviously have such a knowledge of the Old Testament, don't worry about the final. Or, you know what, I've, I've heard your wisdom, don't worry about writing that term paper. Instead, I walk in and he says, great job with the quiz bowl. Here's one of my books that's out of print. You can leave now. (laughs) That was not what I expected, okay? And to be honest, I was a little salty, okay? I had an entire shelf full of his textbooks. Expensive textbooks, I might add. I mean, these things are big, heavy too. And ironically, I say this, but I actually used that little book that he gave me as I prepared for today's message. So I guess maybe arguably it was more valuable in the long run than skipping out on some test. But it was certainly not what I had expected. And let me ask you, have you been there before where something turns out and it's not the way that you expected? It doesn't turn out the way that you've always hoped or your dreams don't line up with reality. Next month, Jill and I celebrate 13 years of marriage. And a few years in, we were ready to do that thing that that young couples do, that we wanted to have a baby, right? And we never really thought about the chance that there could be any kind of complications. But our first pregnancy ended in miscarriage. And we were shocked. We hadn't expected that. And I don't know why we chose to keep it a secret other than maybe our parents, but that's what we did for a few months. And I can't remember a more disappointing, lonely, or depressing time in my life. 
We had so many unanswered questions, right? So many worries. Would this happen again? Are we unable to have children? And this was just after one miscarriage. I mean, I have friends, and I know there are people here today and watching online that have had multiple miscarriages or dealt with years of infertility. And it's devastating. What helped us get through that time was two things. The first is that we read a book together as a couple called Grieving the Child I Never Knew. And it helped us to form a language for our grief, to communicate to one another what we were feeling and how we could grieve together as a couple. And the other thing that helped us is that we started sharing our pain. We started telling our friends. And each person that we shared it with, it felt like a weight was lifted off of our shoulders. A little while later, we decided, well, let's try it again. And God blessed us with another pregnancy. And while there were some complications and a three-week early induction, after 36 hours of labor, our firstborn son named Josiah was born. Our king today is Josiah. And we named our son Josiah after today's king because that name means God has healed. And while having a baby never replaces the loss of another child, we wanted to honor God for his faithfulness in the work that he had done to heal our hearts and to heal our grief. Now my son, Josiah, turns eight years old in about two months. And no offense to him, but if he were king, we might be in trouble. I mean, we're talking mandatory Mario breaks for everyone. No exceptions. Every meal is a plain hamburger with french fries, okay? Nothing, nothing on it. But God has blessed us. We have three kids now. Now, King Josiah was not the king that anyone expected. And especially at the age of eight. I mean, really, what chance did Josiah have? What factors could you add up and say, yeah, this guy's going to turn out good. Everything's going to work out. And don't get me wrong. Everybody loves a good story of a king. And I think, ultimately, you could argue that King Josiah is the best of the kings that Israel ever had. Everybody loves that warrior poet king, right? But we often overlook his little moral failing where he impregnates another man's wife and then sends the husband off to battle to cover it up. So we often overlook that. But Josiah didn't have that kind of thing. In 2 Kings 22, it says this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Josiah reigned for 31 years. And when he turned 16, scriptures say that he began to seek God with all of his heart. At the age of 20, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of false gods and idolatry, something that really rarely any other kings did. In his 18th year, at the age of 26 years old, a discovery is made that would change the course of Josiah's life and his reign as king. It says this in 2 Chronicles. Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Now just a quick little 
Bible nugget, okay, for you. Uh, just for all those Bible nerds out there that like little nuggets of Bible nerdity. Hilkiah is the father of a very famous prophet, one of the four major prophets, Jeremiah. So Jeremiah's dad is the guy that found the book of the law. Now, it's vague in Scripture exactly what scroll is found in the temple. I mean, it just says the book of the law, right? And some believe that book to be Deuteronomy or some portion thereof Deuteronomy. But others think that it could have been the entire writings of Moses, which are the first five books of the Bible. And can we just pause for a moment? Just think about that for a second. The people of God had gone so far astray that they'd lost God's word. What a travesty. But hearing these words from the Lord caused a stirring in our king. Second Chronicles 34, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. Josiah is confronted with the truth. And even though his heart was aimed at God, he recognized that the people had broken their covenant with God. They had not held up their end of the deal. Therefore, punishment was inevitable. And Josiah needed to hear from God. So in 2 Chronicles 34, he sent this message. He says, Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the remnant of Israel and Judah, about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger. It's poured out on us because of those who have gone before us and have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Now, after speaking to the prophetess Hulda, that's the one who they spoke to. And again, you didn't ask for the nuggets, but I'm giving you the nuggets today. A little Bible nugget. Hulda is one of five women referred to in the Old Testament as a prophet. Kind of a cool nugget, if you ask me. Now, through this prophetess, it becomes very clear that the Lord intends to carry out the deserved punishment on his unfaithful people. Though there was a special message for our king. Second Chronicles 34 says, Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place and those who live here. So Josiah called all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and they read this book of the covenant and they renewed their commitment. The king, it says in 2 Chronicles 34, 31, the king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord, to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Now that's leadership, right? Josiah had a clear mission, not just to seek God, not to just have a passion for God, but to clean house. And here are some of the accomplishments throughout his reign. He purged Jerusalem and Judah of all the high places for pagan worship. He removed the Asherim, which is the wooden symbol of the Canaanite goddess and all their male and female temple prostitutes. 
He repaired the temple of the Lord and removed the pagan altars that had been set up inside the temple of God. He removed the pagan priests who worshipped Baal, the sun, the moon, and destroyed all their chariots that they used for worship. He banished the devilish practices of mediums and witchcraft. He even destroyed the high places that King Solomon had erected for his pagan wives. And he reinstated the importance of the Passover. This is what I I like about Josiah as well, is that he also led the people in worship. It says this in 2 Kings, Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. No other king before, no king after had the determination, the spiritual determination to follow the law of God like Josiah. Other kings were bright lights of piety or of passion, but none went as far as Josiah. The summary of his reign is found in 2 Kings 23, 25. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and all his soul and all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Through Josiah, God has truly healed. So that is a great story. Josiah's life, his reign. You know, Josh, don't go anywhere. Come back, come back, come back. Appreciate Josh just laying that out for us as well as just you know stories from his own life. And when we were talking this week about this, Um, We were just talking about applicable points, just to make sure I got this right. You had um, uh, the fact that he was dealt a bad hand. I mean, look what he was, the the status of the land and everything, what had happened because of Manasseh. And yet, that didn't stop him from doing something to turn that all around. He was young, because we mentioned how the, the young start that he had. And so that didn't keep him from being a leader of others to do the thing that's right. And the extreme, because you mentioned about the thing of, uh, he didn't just burn the owls, like took the ashes, wouldn't even let him be in the land. So he just went to, no holes barred, he went clear out. And uh, one other was just in the fact that he was, he was a doer, not just talk. A lot of people are talk. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, you're going to be against something like racism, whatever. It's like, yeah, make your stand, make your voice heard, join in. But that's easy. And Josiah did not go along with what was popular. He was willing to stand alone, and actually it cost him to do these incredible reforms. I get that right? Okay, go get your your car now. (laughs) Josiah did that, and yet there's one thing that stood out to me the most as it really seemed like you think a consideration of what what it was like there in the land, what he did. For 60 years, Josh gave me that number, 60 years the word of the Lord had not been heard in Judah. Now consider that. I mean, that long of time, no wonder the nation was in such bad shape. I mean, any kind of relationship, if there's no communication for 60 years, you think that relationship's going to be good? <laughs> no, you could even say no communication equals no relationship. <laughs> I mean, think of how everything, it's like we say communication is the key to success. You, you see that every time you turn on your device, you check in with the news outlets or the press secretaries, and it's like everyone is getting something wrong. At least they're not getting along. Why? Because they're not communicating with each other. You ever unfriend anyone? Bet it's due to communication or lack thereof. 
a married person that feels like they're not heard, they're already on their way to a broken relationship. If you and the kids are not communicating, that's going to bring some unbearable pain. If there are not open lines of communication at your workplace, you probably hate going there. Now, if you like to have a miserable marriage, a bad relationship with people, including the Lord, then by all means, don't read the Bible, okay? I mean, stay away, because it's going to mess up that whole plan, because that word is communication. This book is God's communication. It's no wonder that without the nation hearing from God, it's a mess. And so Josiah stands out because he did the thing that no one else had done in a long time. When that scroll, when he, he consulted with that prophetess, and when the word was found, how he devoted himself to it. And he simply did that thing of he inquired into it, he listened to that scroll of the law as it was read, and he let it affect him, and then he was determined to start obeying it. One man in the middle of this whole nation, and the effect it had on everyone you know, there's great and godly people, and they do some awesome things, but you're always going to act like, well, what did that? Like, what jump-started that? What was the cause of that? And I think that Josiah became Israel's Reformation king because he listened. He took this communication from God, that covenant, seriously, and then he proceeded to obey it and do something. That's why he could go about the great and many good changes that he brought in the land. He wanted to know what God's word said, and he determined to do it. So I guess that's just the simple takeaway. Here it is. What do I do from this today? Here it is. Read the word, and then do it. Read the word. Get into God's communication to us. And the prophets that were God's voice to them, in this case, and he brought out Huldah, the prophetess. That's interesting. Next time you think about roles of men and women in the church. She was the one speaking God's word to the priest. And she had mentioned about, yep, the nation's going to go down. Is the reminder of disaster that's going to come on them because they had forsaken the Lord. The God's anger had been provoked in the time of Josiah's grandfather Manasseh. And yet, she said something else. It was the idea that even though that was the prophecy, because Josiah ended up hearing the word of God, doing something, he humbled himself, he realized what they failed to do, he began to inquire and was determined to obey the Lord a different word came, and that says, all right, God is not going to allow that judgment to fall in your lifetime. That he was going to go to his grave in peace. So consider that some essential data. We're just like looking at the story, and we're looking for, as we go through the Kings and Queens series, where is God in this? And here's what God is doing. As this is the reaction to hearing his word, he promises the good ending. And I'm going like, man, I am all over that. <laughs> That's what I want. And the key is, read and do. Now, read and do thing is not like God saying, here's my moral code, all right, now try your best to live up to it. <laughs> and it's not so much that you just learn this system of doctrines to think like this and do like this. It all points to relationship with God. Because that's what God wanted with us from day one. Relationship and communication. His communication to us, our communication to him. And in that, then we start realizing, oh, yes, because our life is a story, and these people's lives are stories. And reading your Bible well means that you're seeing how they're living out this life with God through their story and their situations, and especially the way of Christ. So here's that great verse where Jesus is just praying, and he just makes it crystal clear about life 
Because we're talking about life here. I mean, I want to have life. And he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And that's what should be happening as we read this word, as we absorb it, is we're taking in how we discover God's coming into our stories, or maybe rather our stories are coming and being found in God. Our worship is shaped by an obedient reading of Scripture. Our relationships are all affected by this key communication of letting God's word seep into our souls. So let's commit ourselves to what? Pay attention. Listen to his communication to us. Read this. And then put it into action. Do it. It's a time that we view our lives, our world, what's happening around us in light of this. It can be life-changing. And we can go about making many changes. So as the band prepares to come out, we're going to just dedicate ourselves once again. I know that sometimes church is like, well, we kind of know this. Yes, it's a reminder again. And maybe it's a reminder of, well, that may explain why some things are falling apart and there's some misery is we're not listening to the Lord. We're not committing ourselves to his way. Because when we do that, and this whole thing of coming under God, that means let him have his way in us. We have to understand what he is speaking to us. To have him work in our life, to live under the lordship of Christ for the greatest king of all, King Jesus. So come to him. Jesus says, come to me and learn from me. So we're listening to him. So today, I'll just be again by the baptistry. You're saying like, you know, I, I want to pray with someone. I want to be able to get that guidance since the word of God will be there for you. Why don't we just pray and commit ourselves to this same way that we learn today. Father, thank you for a, a very simple thing we already know. Not to ignore, neglect, or fail to consult. Fail to read and get into the story as you speak to us through your word. God, we're always encouraged and inspired by those that somehow can just do great things and make some awesome changes in life. But you're the cause. It's you filling us. It's you in us that would turn us into the very same people. To stand, if even need be alone, to stand and do the right thing. We thank you for people that you've called your name today. And Lord, for each of us today, help us take this next step in listening to you and obeying you in the way that you direct us. To you, we give all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we respond in worship? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm found Was blind But now I see T'was grace that taught my heart to feed and grace my fears relieve how precious 
Chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy
seated as we take our communion today uh, we've been given those uh, pieces that represent what Christ has done for us and each time that we take communion it's an opportunity to reflect on Jesus it's also an opportunity to maybe as Josiah did before all the people when they discovered that book to reaffirm your commitment that maybe as you hold that piece of bread and that juice that represents the Lord's body and blood, that you reaffirm your commitment to him today and say, Lord, you are everything to me. And so I'm gonna pray and then we'll give you an opportunity to reflect on Jesus and spend some time in prayer. And you can partake those elements when you're ready. And then we'll continue in our worship with one more song together. So let's pray to begin. We come before you today, Lord, and we need you in our lives. You're the hope. We depend on you. And so, Lord, uh, we thank you for Jesus. He saved us. He made us brand new. And we're so thankful to come and worship today. So give us clarity, Lord, as we reflect on the grace that you've extended to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the For you have never failed me yet 
Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me. You're still enough. Keep me within your love, and my heart will sing your praise again. Cause it all, your promise still stands. Great is your Do we believe that? That the Lord has not failed us and he's not about to start anytime soon. Come on, sing it with me. I've seen you move.
Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my God. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for worship. Uh, we do ask, uh, please, if the back of the room could exit first, uh, and then that way it works its way forward to the front. Thank you so much for joining us in worship. If you need to pray with someone, Tim's over by the baptistry. Thank you. We love you.